Hello, and welcome to the Bite-Sized Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Shiroki, and today we're going to continue our look at the Mosaic Law, also known as the Law of Moses. Last episode, we looked at Exodus 22. We're going to continue on in the book of Exodus, and today we're going to cover chapter 23. Um, Again, I felt very led and inspired to go from Exodus 20, where, um, actually we started in Exodus 19, where Moses first goes up to Mount Sinai and meets with the Lord, and the Lord instructs him to come up, because he was going to give him the Ten Commandments, as well as the law. So, Moses, of course, obeyed, and he, at first, we started in Exodus 20 with the Ten Commandments, and then once uh, Exodus 21, all the way through pretty much the book of Deuteronomy, lays out the law of Moses, also known as, again, the Mosaic Law, which is a set of guidelines, rules, and just general um, ways to live given to Moses directly by God. And um, so far, as we can see, and, you know, as confirmed in just the first couple short studies we've done, um, there's a lot of wisdom, there's a lot of godly knowledge, there's a lot of, um, you know, incredibly simple things that God lays out to Moses that make total sense. And, you know, they're all, they're very applicable to this very day. Um, And I see a lot of our own laws, ways of thinking, ways of living can all be traced back and rooted to the Mosaic law and, um, you know, to God himself, which You know, God, again, doesn't leave us blind. He doesn't leave us hanging. He gave us his living word, the books of the Bible, the 66 canonical books, which are the complete books. Uh, They are sealed. They are complete. The word of God is complete. It starts in Genesis with the creation of Adam and Eve and goes all the way up to the book of Revelation, where we finally end up uh, after the great white throne judgment where Jesus Christ himself judges all for everything that's ever been done from the days of Adam all the way up through to the end days and the last days. And if you're not saved and covered in the blood of Jesus and clothed in his righteousness, we're washed clean by that amazing blood, that sacrifice that Jesus was, that living human sacrifice on the cross. And then once he died and resurrected, He ascended to the right hand of the Father, and whoever confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord is adopted into the family of God, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, sat with him at the right hand of the Father spiritually in the spiritual realm right now as we speak. I am there, as are the rest of the Christians on this earth. And, um, again, if you have any questions about that, you can check out the dual citizenship episode I did a little while back that explains it and explains where I, why I believe that and why, um, you know, why it's very biblical and taught in the Bible. And, um, we will, again, in this episode, we're going to cover Exodus chapter 23, where, you know, God addresses, um, justice for all the law of Sabbaths the three annual feasts and then finishes up with the angel and the promises. So without any further ado, 
Let's continue our look at the law of Moses in Exodus chapter 23. Okay, and like I said, we are going to be in Exodus chapter 23. We're going to start in verse 1. My Spirit-Filled Life, New King James Version Bible subtitles this section, section 1 through 9, as justice for all. It says, you shall not circulate a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. You shall not show partiality to a poor man in his dispute. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall surely bring it back to him again. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying under its burden and you would refrain from helping it, you shall surely help him with it. You shall not pervert the judgment of your poor in his dispute. Keep yourself far from a false matter. Do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not justify the wicked. And you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the discerning and perverts the words of the righteous. And you shall not oppress a stranger, for you know the heart of a stranger, because you were strangers in the lands of Egypt." Looking at the notes here for that section, Exodus chapter 23, again, verses 1 through 9. The only note I have here says, An enemy was one with whom one was having a dispute before the law. So, you know, the Jews based their entire lives and beliefs on this law. So, again, the law basically was a set of guidelines and it exposed sin. It it clarified sin. good and bad, and how to treat one another. So prior to the law, people, you know, again, basically the Jews were enslaved in Egypt and didn't really have a lot of freedom, but now they are free. God has brought them out of the land of Egypt and given them their promised land. And now God is teaching them how to live, how to conduct themselves, how to treat each other. And, um, you know, it's an incredible series of events and it, you know, uh, one huge benefit you get out of getting into the word of God. Look, I'll be honest. These books here are books that I would tend to avoid and never really do a study on. But it's amazing when God puts something in your heart and it's amazing just the just the act of obedience, although I may not at first seem like I'm getting much out of what I'm going over and covering just the act of obedience, how that goes hand in hand with God answering prayer and bringing you to new ways of understanding him, new heights and plateaus spiritually, um, new levels of spiritual understanding. It's amazing how the Holy spirit works. So don't ever underestimate when God's pulling on your heart and telling you to do something do it and obey. Do it in obedience. That's a test right there. That's that's a trial. <laughs> Not every test and trial is Satan throwing some nasty thing at you and you having to avoid it. Sometimes our tests and trials as Christians are simply the Holy Spirit telling you to do something and whether or not you obey it. 
regardless of what it is. And I'm not talking legalism here. I'm not talking, you know, the craziness, unfortunately, I've lived under before where, you know, (laughs) you're worried about whether or not to put mustard on a hot dog or something stupid like that, just as a dumb example of legalism, which thankfully, I never lived under that. But, you know, there's a there's a um, Satan knows us and Satan knows how to operate in the spiritual realm and the unseen. So he knows how to kind of fire those, you know, shoot those fiery darts at us that are going to make us, you know, question what's going on around us. Is this of the Lord? Why should I do this? Simply, again, sometimes it's just God saying, telling us to do something and seeing if we'll obey him. Again, if we can't be trusted with the little things, how do we ever expect God to trust us with big things? And that makes total sense. If you've ever been a leader or a parent or a coach, if you've ever been in a position in which you're responsible for the success of a specific group of people, regardless of what it's in, you're going to need to have trust and total confidence in the people that you're in charge of to do what you tell them to do without question. Again, assuming you're giving them righteous instruction and you're, you're, you're doing it for a good purpose. Again, God sees what we don't see. God shows us things in ways that we cannot understand. There are things that are going to happen in life that are going to puzzle us. But you'd be amazed when all of a sudden you, you obey the Lord in a little thing. And then you might get a letter in the mail with some good news that was totally out of left field. Frankly, you're totally blown away because, you know, it's so unexpected. But then you kind of think back and maybe the Holy Spirit quickens you to that little act of obedience. And again, this isn't legalism. This is the godly economy. This is how God works. It's a complete and utter mystery to me. And I don't understand it. But I know as I live life and walk out this spiritual walk with the Lord, I really start to understand the clarity and I I truly get it when it comes to God telling us to do something and not questioning, just doing it. And you'd really be amazed at how incredible that, uh, how far that little act of obedience goes in the economy of the Lord. So, all right, let's pick up here with... um, Exodus chapter 23. Now we're going to look at verses 10 through 13, subtitled in my spiritual life, New King James Version Bible, the law of Sabbaths, where it says, six years you shall sow your land and gather in its produce, but the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the field may eat. In like manner, you shall do with your vineyard and you sh- and your olive grove. Six days you shall do your work, and on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the son of your female servant and the stranger may be re- refreshed. And in all that I have said to you, be circumspect and make no mention of the name of other gods, nor let it be heard from your mouth. So let's look at the notes for that section. 
And then actually there, uh, there are no notes for that section, but I will quickly comment on that. You know, again, we're looking at, so six years you plant, you harvest, you reap the benefits of all of that work, six years. And then the Lord says on the seventh year, plant, but don't harvest. Let, you know, essentially be charitable. Let the, you know, the lesser, uh, you know, the poor people, essentially, let them partake of the, of the um, fruits of your labor. And then, you know, let the animals as well that are out there, you know, if you haven't noticed, I mean, birds, small animals, you know, rodents, all that, they'll come and eat your, <laughs> they'll come and eat your, uh, eat from your fields anyway, pretty much all the time. But, you know, that's a time in which you are to allow it because again, if you're wise, if you're, if you're, you know, if you use your resources and, you know, conduct yourself righteously, then six years of profit should allow you to be able to take one year off, frankly. If you're not being greedy, if you're living within your means, if you're doing things in a righteous manner, then there's no reason why. Think about it. You have six years and then the six times and then God saying every seventh year, take it off, give it rest. Um, and then also he's saying in the same breath and in the same passage, like we are commanded, work for six days. And then take one day off and let everyone rest because we all need rest. Like I spoke of in the last episode, or excuse me, in, um, where you looked at Exodus 21, we all need that time to just physically rest, mentally rest and take time off. Right now, I have a nice four day weekend. I'm taking nice, taking a complete break from my professional job taking a nice time to rest. And I know when I come back on Tuesday, I'm looking forward to working again because fortunately I can say I really enjoy my career. I enjoy my interactions with people, but you know, it's nice to take time off to recoup and spend some time with my family. And then, you know, I'm ready to go back at it that much more and I'll be that much more productive. But if I were to sit and work and work and work and work and never take a rest, you get burnt out. You get tired of it. You get stressed. We see it all around us in this world. You know, people are grinding, they call it these days, hustling, whatever you want to say. Well, you know what? If you're doing that 24-7, you're going to be burnt out real fast. So it's godly and it's wise to, again, take some time off weekly. You know, and yearly, you know, um, it's nice right now and where I live, it's coming into the warmer summer months and um, I'm looking forward. I already have my vacation blocked off, looking forward to taking some time later on in the summer before fall hits to take it, take some time with my children and go and enjoy a nice week down on the beach where it's funny how we're so drawn to the ocean everywhere, globally. You know, there's something about water, beaches that 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 divide where that where the water and land meet. That it's just a beautiful, uh, you know, it's beautiful everywhere. There's, you know, some very very beautiful places all around the world, and I personally enjoy the good old Jersey Shore. I've always have, always will, and um, 
you know, it, it, it's a really nice experience. And, um, you know, people love the mountains too, but even up the mountains, you tend to find, you know, bodies of water, lakes, uh, rivers, et cetera, to fish, you know, go water ski on whatever it might be. And, um, it's just funny. It's funny how that, how we're attracted to that. I, I just a little side note. I, I don't know what that's all about, but it's, it's very common and it's global. And even throughout, um, Jesus's time, he spent a lot of time at the sea of Galilee, spent a lot of time, um, you know, on boats, <laughs> he, he had a lot of fishermen friends and, um, you know, it just, it's, it's interesting to me. That's all. I find it interesting. And, uh, I, I enjoy noting little things like that here and there, but let's pick up Exodus chapter 23. We're going to next look at verses 14 through 19. My spiritual life, new King James version Bible subtitles this three annual feasts, three times a year. You shall keep a feast to me in the year. You shall keep your feast of unleavened bread. You shall eat unleavened bread seven days, as I commanded you, at the time appointed in the month of Abib. For in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of your labors, which you have sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering at the end of the year, when you have gathered in the fruit of your labors from the field. Three times in the year, all your males shall appear before the Lord God. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with unleavened bread, nor shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until morning. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into your house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. All right, so let's really see what that's talking about here. Looking at the notes, it says, Feasting was a time of resting from common tasks and dwelling on God's mercy and grace. The Feast of Harvest is also called the Feast of Weeks, or the Day of Pentecost. It was observed in the third month, May through June, 50 days after the Feast of Unleavened Bread and commemorated the Early Harvest. The Feast of Ingathering, also known as the Feast of Tabernacles, was an autumn feast, September through October, to celebrate the completed harvest. Following Israel's wilderness experience, it, <clears throat> excuse me, it was a commemoration of their wandering as well and included living in small temporary booths in honor of Israel's life in temporary shelters in the wilderness. Then finishing up the notes here for Exodus chapter 23, verse 19, where it's that interesting, ends with that interesting expression of you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. My note says, the first of the first fruits meant the beast of the first of the products of Israel's labors. Boil a mother's, boil a young mother's milk. Then it refers me to a note for later on in Deuteronomy chapter 14, 21, which we'll look at later on down the road. But um, essentially, again, you know, we're talking about the three feasts of the, the Jews. Um, it's interesting, too, if you look at the feasts, you know, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread um, and then the Feast of Harvest and then the Feast of Ingathering. Um, you know, it's interesting how the Lord patterns um repeats the same pattern sometimes you could say and right now it seems like we're 
kind of right before, um, you know, uh, a feast of ingathering. You know, someday we're going to celebrate that with the Lord. Basically, the Lord harvesting all of his people from the earth, his souls that he has saved. And um, it's interesting. It's in it's in autumn, uh, September to October. That's one of my favorite times of year. I love that time of year personally. It's very enjoyable for me. I as much as I enjoy the summer and the warmth and the sun, I also enjoy when the temperatures start to break and, the you know, you get into that uh, 60s, you know, 50s kind of, you call it hoodie weather or whatever you want to call it, sweater weather. And it's, um, it's nice, you know, it's very nice living in, in, a, in a climate and a part of the world where we have four seasons because it's really, um, it's pretty cool to see the different cycles of the earth and how, you know, everything kind of works. And, um, again, the amazing ecosystem that God created with, just how, you know, that we can go into a science class about it, but I'm not going to. But it's very interesting and very cool and something I'm very glad that uh, I get to experience. And um, all right, let's look at, uh, we'll finish up Exodus 23. We're going to look at verses 20 through 33. This is subtitled, The Angel and the Promises. So picking up at Exodus chapter 23, verse 20, it says, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. So this is talking about Jesus. Um, This is all capitalized. Angels capitalized. Um, You know, I have prepared. Beware of him. Him is capitalized. Obey his voice. Again, this is a prelude to Jesus and his coming, uh, picking up at, and of course it says, for my name is in him to finish up Exodus 23, verse 21, for my name is in him. So mine, the father's name is in him, the son of what I can pick up and see. We'll look at the notes also, but it's what it looks like it's saying here. But, um, picking up again, chapter 20 or verse 22 of Exodus chapter 23, but if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak then I will be an enemy of your enemies and an adversary of your adversaries for my angel. Again, both capitalized my angel. That's not usually done for just an angel of the Lord. It's done for God himself, which I believe is talking about angel, uh, the Lord. Um, We'll go before you and bring you into the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jesuits. And I will cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do accordingly to their works. But you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and will make all your enemies turn their backs on you. And I will send hornets before you with which, excuse me, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite and the Hittite from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year. 
lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and and you inherit the land. And I will set your bounds from the Red Sea to the sea, Felicia, and from the desert to the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. And now he said to Moses, excuse me, all right, (laughs) stopping there at 23. Sorry, I was having so much fun there. I was ready to jump right into chapter 24. That again was Exodus chapter 23, verses 20 to 33. Now let's look at the notes here for that section where it says, the first of the first fruits, oh, excuse me, never mind. Uh, Let's pick up here at the note for, again, 23 verses 31 through 33. The Israelites were told to avoid all influences that would cause them to leave the worship of the true God and holy living. These ideal boundaries of Israel were only briefly realized under David and Solomon. So, again, God just telling them, essentially, you know, the bigger picture, overarching picture. If you serve me, if you're faithful to me, I will drive out your enemies. You will have the land that's promised to you, and you will have no issues. But if you partake in their idol worship, partake in their unholy practices, then you will suffer and reap the consequences, which we'll see, you know, throughout the Old Testament. Unfortunately, they had issues with staying focused on the Lord, having no other gods before him, you know, not falling into idol worship. And we will see how disastrous that is for them because it eventually ends up in them, you know, being held captive in bondage and slavery. And it's a picture of, us in a bigger picture, you know, if we stray away and allow ourselves to fall into worldly things, then you become slaves of them, become put into bondage of, you know, into those things. And life tends to be very horrible out in the desert when you're wandering alone or out in the wilderness, like I always say. So really guard your hearts, guard your minds, make sure you do not fall into those things, those false teachings false beliefs, you know, they're all around us these days. Stay away from a lot of social media garbage. It's really not worth it. You know, I I engage here and there, but for the most part, if I don't feel led by the spirit to really get into something with someone, then I usually just kind of close the door on it because it's not edifying. And there's a lot of people out there that are just looking to, you know, mock and kind of spit in your face and you know, there's a certain point where we're told that, um, you know, the gospel is not for dogs. It's not for people who want, just want to argue and just treat um, treat us poorly because they know that, you know, we're pretty, pretty, a pretty passive group for the most part. And, um, you know, you know, weak people like to take advantage of people like that. But, you know, again, we're meek, contrite and humble. And, you know, that basically means we have a lot of strength, but we consciously choose to, um, you know, 
be holy. And um, there's nothing wrong with that at all. That's what we're called to. And that's exactly what God loves in his people and how he tells us to be. Because remember, always, the Lord says, vengeance is mine. So not that we want anybody to be, you know, fallen dead or anything like that. But it's much better and more peaceful when we put our faith and our problems in God's hands let him deal with them because trust me when I say the torment and torture somebody can go through by messing with God's people and what God can do in the spiritual realm is much greater than anything we can do in this physical realm. So again, meekness, holiness, contrite spirit, humility, that's what we're called to. That's what we should um, project. That's what we should practice. And, you know, let the Lord handle things the way God handles them in his time. Because remember, at the end of the day, we were all once fallen. We were all once mockers. We were all once those very people that we just want to, you know, get frustrated with. And rightfully so. Sometimes people can really push your buttons. But, at the end of the day, we need to swallow our own pride. We need to swallow our own egos. We need to push that aside and pray. You know, get on your knees. Trust me, prayer will bring you many, many, many benefits. And, you know, the peace and joy just to start with is just the beginning of what prayer will accomplish when you, you know, give everything to the Lord and let Him deal with it in His way in his time because again ultimately we wish that none should perish that all should live so we need to really really put that into practice and um trust me when i say you'll sleep a lot better and have a lot more inner peace when you just let god handle the things that frankly only god can handle it's easy to get upset and frustrated but we're not called to that we are called to Remember, we're servants of the Lord. Jesus said, they hated me, so they'll hate you. And they will. Trust me, they will. There's no shortage of that out there. But, you know, we're called to preach a good message, a message of peace. And um, let the chips fall where they may, if you will. You know, we're, we're instruments and tools of God. So just let him do the stuff that only he can do. And obey the Holy Spirit as he leads and follow Jesus always. So, God bless and have a great day. That's going to conclude our look at Exodus 23. And now we're going to get up to Exodus 24 next. So again, God bless and have a great day.